Welcome to Cinecast, a Cinedec podcast where we chat with outside-the-box thinkers that are changing the video industry. Take one. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cinecast, a Cinedec podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. I've enjoyed hosting this podcast because we've had a pleasure of diving into the creative minds of several freelance and contract professionals in the media production industry, which has been great. And so much of what we've heard on this podcast is that there's an importance in quality and reliable software and workflows to help make media production more feasible in today's market. And not to toot our own horn too much, but Cinex gets mentioned a lot in those rundowns. And why might that be? Well, if you would believe it, insert editing in the digital world used to be a figment of people's imagination. On this three-part conversation, we're getting the full story on the creation of insert editing and the industry challenges that made its creation less than easy. Here to tell that story, and really his story, is Charles Dotremont, CEO of Cinedec. Charles, great to have you on. How are you doing today? Great, thanks for having me here. Yeah, it's a pleasure getting you on. So, Charles, if you had to place the kind of pushback that you were getting from the industry on a scale from 1 to 10 when it came to developing insert editing before Cinex was even a thing, and 1 is no pushback, 10 is a full-force shove, where would you place that pushback you were getting? Uh, probably about a 7 or 8, mostly because people had been told by other software developers that it couldn't be done. And there was a lot of skepticism around whether one could actually open up a file and make a change to it without destroying the file. Was that pushback coming from the industry because they had done research but felt like it wasn't possible or because people hadn't even really considered it was a possibility? Mainly the second. People just have been fed somehow this idea that a file is an inviolable object that exists simply as an object. So it's does not you know, it's not made up of constituent parts that could be adjusted after the fact. And of course, nothing is like that. Everything is made up of constituent parts. So it was really a mentality thing about how, what a file is. And we'll dig into the specifics of that on uh, the second part of this podcast. Before we jump into that, I want to learn a little bit more about your background and really let our audience learn from your experience, much like you did, um, and kind of get a sense for how this shaped your mindset going into wanting to create Cinedec and Cinex software. So to make Cinex a reality, you really had to approach it from a an angle of determination, thoughtfulness. You, know, you had to do a lot of that research yourself. And I think a lot of that mentality came from your background as a real estate professional not exactly a real estate professional, but a professional in that industry because you started your own company, D-Box, um, which was all about real estate branding, and there you became the lead technologist. So what kind of content were you creating at D-Box? Um, where did D-Box fit into that real estate industry? And how did this begin to shape your mentality around content creation, even in the slightest ways? Oh, we were doing 3D presentations for architects to begin with. And that segue eventually to broader marketing materials for uh, real estate in general, especially for very high-end residential real estate in New York. And we started making things like back projections, animated back projections for uh, sales centers 
and this was in the early 2000s, so the software and hardware is not really up to the task. A change to a 4K 15-minute-long file might take overnight to render. So at the time, although I had no idea what insert edit was in terms of the technical term in broadcast, that's what I wanted. I wanted to make a fix to a file that was five frames or 15 frames or 25 frames and not have to re-export the, the whole file. So that was in the back of my mind, of course, the whole time that we started developing Cinedex software in that the Cinedex device was supposed to be a tape deck replacement. And the hallmark of a tape deck is that you could make insert edits. Right, because you could literally chop the tape. Well, not only that, not... Well, that's a film thing where you're cutting film. Sure. But on the tape, it's magnetic particles. And the way that the tape deck works, you can replace one frame of video or one frame of audio and not have to re-lay off your entire program. Whereas in a file, the way that most editor software is designed, you really have to start from scratch every time you want to export that file. And if you take it back further, that's kind of a failing on, of the way that people conceptualized creating files in the first place because it was done by software engineers and not broadcast engineers. Right. So they, to their mind, there was, you know, that just wasn't on their radar in any way, shape, or form. And files were then adopted by the broadcast and film industry in a kind of as-is way without going back to the drawing board about how they might actually be made useful for their purpose. Right. I guess because software engineers, the files that they were used to working with weren't, you know, large-scale 3D, 8K rendered um, video projects that would take hours. Or hour-long, you know, TV shows that needed right. to have corrections made constantly. Right. Um, so it's really a disconnect between the people who design files and the people who use them in this particular context. Interesting. Now, when what, so I know that DBox started venturing into more, um, you, know, you said 3D work, but as you got even more entrenched in that side of the industry, that really drew your interest and it pulled you from the office to the field and you wanted to really get out there and, and do more of the content yourself. Um, as you had a more hands-on approach with the content creation, what were your thoughts around the workflow at that point? Um, and what are some specific examples of moments where, you know, you had to deliver on something or you were filming or working on something and you realized, wow, if only insert editing was a thing. Uh, every delivery we ever made for a customer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it wasn't really, there wasn't any moment uh, particularly, but there was nothing that we could do about it either because we weren't developing a product and had no idea how one, you know, it just was not on the radar. Right. What what happened was I started working, doing the filming in the field, and I needed a digital recorder because I a tape deck is a $100,000 piece of gear that you had to rent, and it was very clumsy and um, cumbersome, and we just didn't have the money for that uh, workflow, so to speak. So I wanted a digital recorder, and I made one with a, a shuttle computer and a black magic card and USB touchscreen monitor, all of which were off the shelf. And that worked pretty well. So, you know, I ended up with a file instead of a tape, which is really what we wanted. And that turned into the Cinedec, as we know it, the hardware Cinedec. 
And later down the road, as that developed further and we started emulating tape decks with the Cinedec, which of course you can do, uh, it always came to this question of, well, if it's a tape emulator, why can't it do insert edit? Right. And the ultimate kind of aha moment there was when I was explaining to someone why it couldn't do insert edit. And I thought, well, you know, that's dumb. Why can't it? So I asked, you know, people on our development team who know the file structure inside and out. And of course, it could be done, as it turns out. Just nobody had done it. Which is always the best kind of idea when it's staring you right in the face, but no one has taken the initiative to do it. And that way, you know, you you make that change, you bring it to market, and all of a sudden it becomes a standard, which I'm sure was was good to see, you know, that people eventually were extremely receptive to Cinex. And interestingly, that there's a market pressures explanation for that which is you can be sure that every editor who ever picked up a piece of editing software said, why can I not just export the typo? Excuse me. Why can I not just export the typo piece of this hour-long file that I've exported? You you can be sure that every single editor has asked that and complained to their software company about not being able to do it. And it turns out that software companies make money selling software. So if you need to do an hour-long export, they want you to buy another version of their editor and put it on another computer and use that. You know, so there's no monetary incentive for them to reduce the amount of time that you spend on their software and therefore money. And we find that with the transcoding applications as well because a large amount of transcoding that is done in the world on Uh, sort of enterprise-level transcoding engines, I won't mention any names, of course, Um, they make their money selling render nodes. So it's in their interest to sell you more hardware and more software and more support for that software forces you to re-render the entire file again. So if you're doing thousands and thousands of assets, you buy tens of computers and tens of thousands of dollars worth of software. So they have no incentive to reduce the amount of time that you would spend rendering, for instance. So again, it's, there's no there's no monetary incentive for these companies to do that, and therefore that desire has fallen on deaf ears. Which I'm sure was extremely frustrating for all the professionals that had to deal with that software day in and day out. Especially for professionals who are being forced to move from a tape workflow which they loved because of this exact insert ability and being forced by their companies to move to a a software only workflow. A perfect case in point of that is the voice uh, USA who until Cinedex insert edit stayed with a tape machine because it was the only way that they could make their deadline because they have hundreds of uh, picture fixes for every show every week. There was no way to be exporting, you know, a two-hour export from their editor 70 times in a week. All right, Charles, so we're going to get into the creation process of your company as well as the development of this technology and how you combated some of that pushback uh, in the industry. But we're going to get into that in the second episode of this three-part conversation. So thank you for joining us on this episode of Cinecast. 
and we'll talk again soon. Great, thanks. And thank you everyone for listening to today's episode of Cinecast. And if you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, you can head to cinedeck.com slash podcasts, plural, podcasts, plural, or you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And make sure you leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.